This episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Alan and Beth Stanfield of Stanfield Properties, the next generation of hometown realtors. When Jesus walks out of the tomb and he sees Mary Magdalene, he says, go and tell. And she did just that. And who did she go tell? She told the disciples. This is the All at Once podcast for women and those who love them. We are God's image bearers, exploring ways religion has been distorted, to silence the marginalized, and to justify abuse. We are Christians, seeking to comfort, heal, and free people from the pain caused by our own religion. We carry much, like all of humanity, all at once. I'm Kelly Browning, and to God be the glory. In previous episodes, you heard me chat with Cindy Dawson about biblical interpretations and hermeneutics or cultural lenses that shape the way we view scripture, especially with regard to gender roles. We also talked with Sarah Jordan about submission and how certain views and rigid thinking and teaching strategies regarding submission can be very harmful to very real people like Sarah. Now, as we are wrapping up season one of the podcast with only one episode remaining after this one, um, I wanted to bring up two main theological gender role camps, complementarianism and egalitarianism. I'm bringing this up to show you that even within this discussion, Christian culture created a rigid view for us to ascribe to. Culture tells us that we have to choose one view, and therefore be against the other. Well, that's a flat-out lie. You can see value in both views. Take pieces of one view that you like while leaving the rest, and pieces of another view you also like to create your own unique view. The English teacher in me wants you to take note of the stems in those two words, complement and complementarianism, an egal or equal and egalitarianism. Complementarianism is the theological view that men and women have different roles and responsibilities in all areas of life, and that these different roles complement one another. Typically, people with this view believe that women should submit to the authority of male headship in churches, marriages, and homes. Alternatively, egalitarians believe that we are all created with equal God-given giftings that aren't influenced by our sex. They typically believe that headship is a partnership, males and females working alongside each other as equals. Here at All at Once, we are all about existing outside of the prescribed mold. I want to introduce you to someone who does just that. Laura Seifert, founder of Yes Ministries and our guest today, tends to have some complementarian leanings, but she also believes that women are equally called by God to teach, speak, lead, be elders, and more, and not just to women and children. You can believe that women and men are complementary, fundamentally different, and also still work to have women represented in leadership positions and in speaking and teaching roles in churches and in homes and marriages, just like Laura. During this episode, we'll hear about Laura's experiences with being among the first women to preach at her church, 
and also her journey from first believing she would be a good women's pastor to now being a frequent teacher and preacher to both males and females. We will hear about the Bible and some flack she's received for preaching, which is my personal favorite part of the episode, and her advice on how to deal with those people who claim God would prefer women to be in specific roles, therefore denying women the opportunity to fully use their God-given gifts. So, take what is good and beneficial for you and leave what isn't. Here we go. So, when we spoke last time, Laura, you mentioned that you now are teaching in front of mixed gender groups. So, if you could talk to me a little bit about have you always done that? Have you always been comfortable preaching in front of men and women? And kind of what led you to where you are today? Excellent. That's a great question. Well, I, uh, I was one that did not, sen- I sensed a call to ministry in college, but thought Jesus called people that had it together to ministry. I was not one of those in my own eyes. And so I've kind of avoided that. Um, and so I went through college, graduated, got out of college. And I remember sitting in a church and it was a conservative church. It was more of a fundamental church. And I saw a woman teach for the first time. And I was working in the corporate world and had this tug to ministry, but couldn't identify what that really meant. But when I saw her teach it, I had chills up and down my body. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's what I think I'm called to do, even though it really scared me. And I felt beyond underqualified. I felt like off the radar qualified for it. Uh, But I knew God was doing something in that. And so I just began to pursue it. And so I asked the pastor of that church and he said, well, you should start, you should find a, a female mentor and, and get mentored and start to, to grow in this gift. And you'll just, you'll be a great women's teacher. Oh, so he did yeah. specify women. Okay. Yeah. And so okay. I thought, okay, I didn't even think twice. And then long story short, left the corporate world, got into ministry, started uh, leading adults, moved into women's ministry and then felt this bubbling to teach. And I did and started teaching women. And we were, my husband, I met my husband at this church and we were on staff for a few years. And then we moved to a new church. And I remember in the interview, uh, the pastor knew that I was a teacher and he asked me, he said, how do you feel about teaching both men and women? And I'd never been asked that before. And I never even thought I could entertain the idea. I thought only women taught women. And at that time, Beth Moore was the predominant female teacher that you saw. And you only saw her teach women. And she was in a very conservative church. And that was kind of the norm. And so I just kind of thought that's the way it went. So when he asked me that, I thought, I don't know. How should I feel about it? And he said, well, I'll tell you how I feel. I feel great about it. And he had me at teaching a mixed group of people within the first few months we were on staff. I wasn't even on staff yet. I later joined the staff as women's pastor. And what I realized in that is while I felt insecure, what was interesting is the response to my teaching was overwhelming to me because so many men approached me and said how impactful it was for them. Mm -hmm. And at that point, God began to shift my thinking because my thinking had always stemmed from what church culture had taught me. And that was women were not to teach men. They were only to teach other women. And so as I began to see the fruit of teaching both men and women, I began to wrestle with it in my own heart. Lord, what are you saying about this? What are you saying for me about this? And that began the journey 
of um, where I am today, where I think, you know, at the tomb, when Jesus walks out of the tomb and he sees Mary Magdalene, he says, go and tell. And she did just that. And who did she go tell? She told the disciples. So I just uh, kind of follow along in the Gospels and the way Jesus interacted with women and throughout the whole council of Scripture, the way he empowered women. So um, that's kind of where I go. Lord, you've given me a gift and I want to use it to your glory and I'll use it whenever and wherever and to whomever you tell me to. Was there something internally that happened whenever he asked you that question that made you have to kind of come face to face with this. Am I qualified as a woman to teach men? Oh yes. That's a great question, Kelly. Yes, I did because I didn't think I was qualified Yeah, because in our church culture, we had been told that we weren't. Yeah, And so uh, that was the message. Let me just rephrase that. That was the message I had received was women are to teach other women. Therefore, it must be a qualification. It must be a word worth issue. I didn't really understand it all. I just knew stay in your lane and your lane is women. And so I had to really wrestle that hard with the Lord. And really what I boiled down to is um, the greater good is we want people to know and love Jesus. We want them to, to know and love Jesus. And Jesus is very clear uh, that we're to go and make disciples of all nations. That's a great commission. And he doesn't say, now let me give a caveat. That's only women to women and only men to men, or men can teach both men and women. So as I kind of wrestled through that, at the end of the day, I knew I wasn't going to change the minds of some of those mentors in my life that had told me otherwise. I just knew I had to be obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I was going to do that as best I could. And Mm -hmm. so I just stepped out and began to teach whenever he would open a door for me. Mm -hmm. And that began to be both women and men. And sometimes it's just women. And my ministry is mainly geared to women, but we have men slip in the doors all the time. Yeah. So I'm good with it. Yeah. I, I wonder, so I have first Timothy printed out here where it says, um, I'm just going to read it to make sure I get it right. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness. So a lot of people have a hard time with this section of scripture because Paul seems to be so clear, but he's also really clear in other texts where he elevates women. Mm-hmm. Junia is one of them and Phoebe is another. Priscilla. Priscilla, mm-hmm. yes. And and they seem to contradict one another. Mm-hmm. And belonging to a faith community that sees the inerrancy in scripture and believes that and believes that every word is God-breathed, what do we do with those kinds of contradictions? Mm-hmm. That's a great question and one that I'm not able to answer in in fullness, but I'll give it my best shot. I think anytime you study scripture, you have to take the whole counsel of scripture into consideration and you can't just pull out one verse or one passage and camp out on it without looking at the whole counsel and how does it fit in? Who was he speaking to? When was he speaking to them? What was the reason for this letter? What was going on during that time? There was conflict in the church and a lot of the conflict surrounded women. And so there's a lot of different nuances as to why Paul may have been saying that. Um, When I look at the whole council of of scripture, you see from the Old Testament with Deborah as a judge to all the way through the New Testament with the women that you just mentioned, 
um, in leadership positions and in positions to go and tell. And so for me, it's that's kind of how I have to view it is, is what does it say from start to finish? And, and what is the whole thing? I think a, a lot of times you can take one or two verses out of context and and it can be um, not only can it be incorrect, but it can be hurtful if we're not careful. Yeah. And I want to talk about that hurt in a little bit and the yeah. dangers that that has caused mm-hmm. in our culture. Um, but one of the things that I've loved listening to you talk about um, outside of this podcast is just how churches have grown and changed and how God is always moving and working, even when the doors seem like they're closed and things seem like they're black and white, but God, but God is like mm-hmm. operating in the gray and mm-hmm. is pushing boundaries and pushing people and pushing organizations to be more like mm-hmm. him. And so one of the things I know that you have some familiarity with is some of those organizations mm-hmm. starting to question why they've forbidden mm-hmm. women from being in leadership mm-hmm. positions. And I would just love for you to talk about that a little bit and and to also share with us some things like if we have these wrestlings where we feel we, we feel that tension and we're mm-hmm. having these physical reactions to knowing that God elevates women, and it also says this in the scripture, what, what can we begin to do to start examining a more inclusive culture for our organizations? That's great. That's a great question. Well, the first part of your question is talking about just the way the churches have evolved or they're changing or they're re-identifying the role of women in churches. And that's brought me so much encouragement and, and courage. My church, for one, where I attend, um, it's been super encouraging just to see our pastor wrestle with this and really begin to ask the question, what is cultural and what is scriptural? What What is the difference? Because they get really mixed together and you forget and you think, well, I've always believed this. And so it's who I am. And I just, I don't know why I believe it, but I always believe it. Same can be in politics. My parents were, you know, a certain uh, Democratic Party. That's the way I was raised. So I don't know why I vote that way. I just vote that way. Mm -hmm. And at times we have to really press in. And so I find that anytime I start to feel a tension or an unsettling in my soul, I don't have to be afraid of that. And scripture will hold the Spirit will hold. He will He will lead us into all truth. Scripture says that. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. And so I don't have to be afraid of those tensions. And sometimes they don't get resolved this side of heaven. Sometimes we will we'll go to heaven and we enter into all truth and it'll make sense and we'll realize it wasn't as big a deal as we thought. But on this side of heaven, what I love about the Lord and my relationship with the Lord is I can wrestle it down. And even if I don't get the answer I'm looking for or the answer I think I need, I get him. I get his presence and his presence changes me and it changes churches and it changes Christians. And so my suggestion for anyone that's wrestling is don't be afraid of that wrestle and don't assume the answer too soon. Mm -hmm. Seek wise counsel with people that you trust and not necessarily people that you think will agree with you, but seek wise counsel, but really seek the Holy Spirit because he will meet you in that wrestle for sure. And you've seen churches, you you mentioned your own church and you've seen churches starting to be more inclusive. Yeah. And so are are people in your church, if they're women in leadership positions, are they referred to as a pastor or are they referred to as a different, is there a different kind of title? Is that kind of being discussed right now? It's being discussed right now. Mm -hmm. My previous church, um, I've been in churches when I've been given the title of women's pastor. I'm not on staff at my church now. My husband is. And we don't have women 
in the role of pastor, but it's not because we can't give that title. It's just God needs to bring the right person yet. Mm -hmm. And so what I love is our pastor is open. And also in the in the um, vein of elders, we don't have any female elders currently, but it doesn't mean that we won't. But the elders that we do have that are men, their wives are invited to every single meeting Mm -hmm. and their voices matter. And the day will come. I'm praying that we have we have female elders represented as well. But what I do love is that our pastor's a learner and he's open and he's seeking the Lord and he's seeking wise counsel. And he's also seeking the voices of other women. And he's I have grace all day long for that. Mm -hmm. But when it's a shut door and there's no room for discussion, that's what gets really hard. Yeah. And and that's what that's what I find to be the most harmful about this topic and about other topics that we will cover in this podcast later. But focusing specifically on women's roles is is when those doors are shut and when we just completely turn away from questioning or wrestling mm-hmm. or being willing to listen, mm-hmm. that's dangerous. Yeah. And I think that's when we become lukewarm. Yes. And the Lord is like, yeah. dude, be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you right out. And so so to me, I think it's to settle is different than being resolved. You know, resolution is one thing and you may be resolved on it in a certain way, but just to settle in and go, well, forget it. I I don't, I wouldn't do that. Before we continue with Laura, I want to share this space with my friend Megan, host of the Faith and Feminism podcast. Listen to the work she is doing and I will meet you right back here in a bit. Have you ever heard that faith and feminism don't go together? Yeah, me too. That's why I started a podcast called Faith and Feminism, because I actually believe that Jesus was a feminist and that he cares so much about justice. On the Faith and Feminism podcast, we talk about sex, purity culture, women's rights, theology, self-care, health care. It's all there, and we would love for you to join us. Just check us out wherever podcasts are available, Faith and Feminism. Thanks to monthly financial patrons, we are able to offer free ad space to women who are also working hard to pursue their passions. For more info on how to financially support the All at Once podcast so we can continue our work, check out our website, allatonce.us. There you can visit the Patreon tab to sign up as a monthly patron that is graciously sponsored by Box and Sparrow, Second Journey, and Behold and Flourish. You can also buy some All at Once swag at our shop. Okay, back to Laura. Why why does representation matter in churches? So why why does any of this matter? You know, why is it important to have women in leadership positions in churches and to continue having and fighting in a way I don't like the word fighting, but I'm an eight on the Enneagram, so I kind of like to. But but really fighting for equality in churches sure. among men and women. Why is this important? Sure. Well, in my, and I'll just speak to my own opinion about it, my thoughts about it. I think it's important because it's a fuller picture of the Trinity. It's a fuller picture of the character of God. God, the father is not just male. He's not male. He's not even male or female, but he encompasses all of us. We are all made in the image of God, the Imago Deo. And so none of us can say, well, a male human is more like God than a female human is. I don't think anybody would agree with that. Maybe, but you can't. Scripture says we're all made in the image of God, even though man came from dust and and woman came from the rib of a man. God created both of us, male and female, and called it good. And so in my opinion, the way he's wired females 
is different than the ways wired males. And so why would you only want one side of perspective? To me, it's just a beautiful, fuller picture of the kingdom of God, of the gospel, of who God is. And the way he's gifted me is so different than the way he's gifted my husband, Jason. Mm -hmm. But together, we're a great team. Mm -hmm. And I would sure hate for someone to miss out on the wisdom that God's given Jason if they only hear me. And so it takes both and and all. Mm -hmm. And we're all children of God. We're all part of the family of God. And so it's just, to me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. But it's a critical that it's that there's representation because, and not just in gender roles, but also in race and mm-hmm. in socioeconomic status. It's we're all welcome to the table, mm-hmm. and we all come as sinners, and we're all covered by the blood of Jesus, and we have redemption through Christ. It's all the same, and so everyone, everyone gets a voice. Yeah, I don't. I kind of. I wasn't planning to ask you this or talk about this, but I'm. I'm curious though to know your thoughts on when we don't have representation or the or the lack of women in leadership positions when i see young people in churches sitting in pews or chairs or at cafeteria tables depending on where you worship um i see my i have sons i have two sons and they're going to grow up seeing strong women mm-hmm. they're going to know that they are strong and women are strong they won't have that construct that they have more power, right. that God loves them extra. They, they won't have that construct. And so I'm curious to, to kind of pick your brain a little bit on, on bringing up children in churches that see men and women in leadership positions and the effects that that has kind of in a lot of ways in, in, in trauma and abuse and, and marriages and and kind of where all do we see that maybe leaking out into other places that we're maybe attributing to something different, but it could also be linked to lack of representation? Well, I know for my own kiddos, one of the things that I love in our church is we have women preach on the regular. And I love not that I, I'm not going to look at my son or my daughter and go, oh, that's a woman preaching. Yay. Let's mm-hmm. celebrate that. Even though I'm celebrating it and jumping up and down in my heart, I want it to be normal. Yeah. I want it to be normal. And one of the things I loved about Jesus is you never saw him coddle women and you never saw him reject women. You just saw him treat women as in the image of God. He just loved them as his own. And so, and he did the same with men. I love the way he loved Peter and I love the way he loved the woman at the well. And he didn't say now, because you're a woman, I want you to go back and tell your community what you've seen, but you got to be really careful because some of, he just said, go. And he said that, yeah, he said that to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. And he said it to men and women the same. And so it's not that we are When we say equality, I think we also have to be careful that we're not saying we all have to look and think and sound the same. Correct. And some people get that Mm -hmm. mistaken. And the same goes with race. I've heard this said before, and I have said it before, is Jesus is colorblind. He just Mm -hmm. sees us all. And no, no, no. Jesus isn't colorblind. He's full of color and he sees all the different colors of races and backgrounds and he celebrates them because he created us. Mm -hmm. And I think the same is true for men and women. The effort here is when we seek equality, it's not that we lose ourselves and try and become the same. It's just that we're celebrated as children of God, of the Most High God, that have been given gifts so that we can bring Him glory, period, the end. That's it. That's it. And so there's, 
I don't, I don't need to be held a special way. I don't need to be given special treatment because I'm a woman. And I also don't need to be rejected because I'm a woman. Just let me move out the way the Lord is, is leading me and then coach me along the way. And I think the end goal is that we love each other. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, if you will just love one another, I'm going to be lifted up and I will draw on men to myself. Mm -hmm. So how do we love one another? Well, one is, is that we fight for each other, not with each other. And, and we do see each other in, in the image of Christ is that you're gifted just like your husband is. Mm-hmm. And so I don't need to give you better treatment than him or vice versa. Can't we just love each other and celebrate? And it sounds Pollyanna and pie in the sky, but I really think, I think it's true. I, I really do. do. Yeah. I, I forgot. Have we asked, have we talked about the criticism and flack that you've received from preaching? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, some of the haters yeah. in shade. Oh, it's been fun. Uh, I remember one time I just preached a sermon and I just come down off stage. And when you're done, I mean, you're most vulnerable when you just finish because you're instantly thinking, oh, I should have said that better. I should have done that. And there was a gentleman that came to me and said, um, uh, that was pretty good for a woman. And he said, I got to be honest with you. I walked in and saw you stand up and thought, oh, man. They had a woman preaching and I wanted to leave and my wife wouldn't let me. So I sat through, but I really learned something from you today. And I just oh my at him gosh. and just, hey, what do you say? I'm just like, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. But I've also had women because I started preaching fairly young. I mean, I was 30 and I've had women come up to me and say, you're too, you know, what do you even know about pain? What do you even know about? And so I've had, I've had haters just because of my age too. I'm much older than that now, but <laughs> I don't have that as much. Sometimes I wish they would say that now, but um, yeah. So people just say, I don't, some people, none of us have the filters that we should mm-hmm. at times, mm-hmm. you know? I love it's well-meaning like for, for a woman. Yeah. yeah it's pretty good. Right. Like I'm acknowledging, I'm complimenting right. you. Look at me, pat me on the back. I think he walked away yeah. feeling really yeah. bold and big that he day. He <laughs> really felt like he validated yes. a woman that day. He's yes. like, yeah, progressive. <laughs> no. You just all oh, back uh, even close. It just, felt like a backhanded slap. And yes. I was like, thank you so much. That was just okay. All right. Go all with God. Right. <laughs> Keep on going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Laura, is there any kind of encouragement or advice? Um, just some truth that you'd like to share with women who have been told, like me, their whole lives that they aren't as important to God because they're second. Uh-huh. What what would you like to to share with them? And it's just an, a, a last uplifting word to um, young women and those who love them who are starting to wrestle with this or are encountering this construct mm-hmm. for the first time. Mm-hmm. What would you like to say to them? Uh, what does Jesus say to you? Mm-hmm. What does Jesus say to you? And that voice has to matter more than anyone else's. And it is super hard to wade through lots of voices that you've heard over and over in your life from authority figures, parents, peers, it doesn't matter that have maybe said negative things to you about you're not enough. You can't do this. You won't, whatever. What does Jesus say? And stay in the gospels. If you're trying to really come to that place of identity and who you are, stay in the gospels for a season um, and really focus on who Jesus is. Stare into the face of Jesus through reading his word in the gospels and ask him, Lord, speak into this. Tell me, tell me, what do you say about me? What do you say about me? What call do you have on my life? And and for those of girls or boys or men or women that are listening to this, that are wrestling about what their call actually is, one thing that really helped me is um, 
I was told by a mentor of mine is that the, the Holy Spirit and your passions will intersect. And that is a good way to find your calling. And so for me, uh, and, and really at the end of the day, your calling is to make him known. Your calling is to to love God and love people. And that's going to look a thousand different ways for us. And so there's not one hard, fast calling that, okay, that means I'm going to do this the rest of my life. I'm going to love Jesus and love people. And that's going to take a varying shape, shapes and forms as I go. But I know for me, when I heard uh, Ann Liff say she was uh, the pastor's wife at Northwest Bible Church, when I heard her teach for the very first time, I really thought I was going to come out of my skin. And I didn't know what it was, what I was feeling. Um, but I didn't wait and look around and go, well, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? I just said, Lord, what does this mean? And I allowed him to define it for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would say is figure out what you're passionate about, what wakes you up at night, what lights your fire, mm-hmm. and don't assume that that can't be of God. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about Jesus is he's like, listen, I've dreaming dreams for you that you didn't even know to dream for yourself. I've got plans for you that are going to blow your mind, Ephesians 3.20. And so just trust that, trust that. And so you're not too much for him. You're not, not enough for him. He created you. So press in and ask him and he'll show you, uh, with great joy. He will, (laughs) but you got it. You got to care about what he says about you more than anyone else. That's so important. And in doing this work in this podcast, um, it's hard because I'm having to come face to face with a lot of these views that, yeah. I mean, typically I'm going to make a general statement. I've I'm sorry about that, but the people I know who have these views uh-huh. are very outspoken mm-hmm. typically about them. Um, and and I, you say these views. Thank you. Yeah. The views that women are only in supportive roles and are supposed to be silent mm-hmm. in churches mm-hmm. and submissive in marriages under all circumstances. Um, these really narrowing views of God. Is, I don't know how yeah. else to say it. Right. It's just so incomplete, which I used to believe I had a really good picture of God until I saw a woman preach for the first time. And I cried my eyes out like a crazy person. And almost mm-hmm. every time I hear a woman preach, I cry mm-hmm. because it feels so right. And what I've been missing my whole life. Uh-huh. And one of the things that I really like you said that you said was just pay attention to what Jesus says, because the critics will be loud. Yeah. And you like I am being an eight on the Enneagram and just being carrying all of the experiences I have with me around everywhere I go, which is a lot. Um, I can have be too much mm-hmm. for some people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can just say it. I can be too much. I'm a lot. I'm intense. I'm very passionate. My fire is big and it doesn't go out. And, and because of that, it feels off putting to some, uh-huh. especially being a woman, uh-huh. I think. Uh-huh. Um, and I've seen that too. But I know who I am in Jesus, yeah. and, and I know that God has put these words on my heart. And to do this, it has been so clear to me, it, like so clear. And I'm so terrified and so excited, which is why I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Exactly. Um, so that's where I'm going to camp out and yeah. and and leave listeners with um, is just both of us saying, "Hey, listen to God and know, and know who you are in Jesus, and and let the haters fall away. Yeah. And you just pay attention. To that's right. True. Say yes to him. He will, he will open doors. You don't have to push him down. Yeah. He will open the doors for you. And so just say, just continue to say yes to him, whatever the yes is, because he's trustworthy and he's worth it. And what I love about it is that he wired you with all that passion. And he, and as you're even talking, Kelly, I'm thinking about the years that 
have been wounding to you, the false teaching that you received. But even that is part of your story. Without mm-hmm. that, that is that plight is becoming part of the delight of your ministry. That will you're going to open doors and pave ways for girls coming up behind you. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. had you not suffered. Yeah. And so um, that right. suffering is not in vain. And so I love it. It's all mixed together. He works all things for good. And so that's why he's so worthy of our trust to just say, what is it, Lord? Whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to say yes. And it's mm-hmm. always scary and it's never easy, um, but it's thrilling. Mm-hmm. It's thrilling. And there's no other place we'd rather be, right? Right. I mean, even there's days when I think, I, I, please let me go flip a hamburger somewhere and not do ministry anymore. It's too hard. But I know I'm called to it. And my sister's um, an executive at a hospital and she's called to that, just like I'm called to this and mm-hmm. God's using her there. So wherever that that sphere of influence is that he's placed you, be there and trust him and keep saying yes and he'll keep paving the way. It was so great to chat with you, Laura. If you'd like to engage more with her, visit yesministries.net. She also wrote a great book titled Forgive, Freedom is Worth It, which you can buy on Amazon. And her team just released a free online video Bible study series with the same name at yesministries.net. I encourage you to check out ways you can support her work at her website and on Instagram and Facebook. Before you go, I want to let you know about the amazing women who contribute to the production of the All at Once podcast. First, we have Michelle Rayborn. She is the singer and songwriter of our theme song, A New Day. You can find this song and more of her work anywhere you get your jams. Other contributors to the podcast include Sarah Jordan, Molly Bays, Taylor Diggs, Maddie Scott, and Samantha Gall. Thank you for your hard work to get us to this point. Also, remember to visit us on our website, allatonce.us, to become an email subscriber, a monthly financial patron, or to buy some swag. Thanks for listening. Oh, take courage, fight for faith, and see a new day.